0: here welcome to my show where i will be sharing with you the strangest secrets to spiritual and professional success and productivity now here's why you want to listen i'm a preacher's daughter who went from wearing hand-me-downs to giving people a hand up in life and in business as a woman a wife a mom and a glass ceiling smasher business owner dream resurrector, and coffee aficionado, I love working with men and women like you from the boardroom to the classroom. I've met with adversity, met with success, and overcome a few obstacles along the way. I've learned the strangest secrets of how to succeed as one who is a spiritual professional, empowering anyone who wants to fulfill their calling in life. I'm here each week to share the strangest secrets to success with you. So let's get started. So Dave, it's so exciting to be visiting with you today. I want to welcome everyone to our first ever podcast for Marketplace Leaders in the Earth. And it's kind of fun that we stole away from a meeting at your very own conference (laughs) Ah. to do this. Thank you so much.
1: Well, Linda, it's a pleasure. And I'm just always so glad to see you're filled with life and energy. And it's just great to be here.
0: WELL, uh, WE'RE EXCITED TO MINE OUT OF YOUR GREAT MINDS AND THOUGHTS THAT WILL BE HELPFUL FOR THE MEN AND WOMEN THAT WE'RE EQUIPPING IN THE MARKETPLACE. YOU HAVE DONE A GREAT WORK IN BRINGING THE SEVEN MOUNTAIN mm. MESSAGE AND IN BUILDING Thank KINGDOM you. BUSINESS ASSOCIATION. YOU HAVE A GREAT TRACK RECORD IN YOUR CAREER AS EXECUTIVE VICE PRESIDENT OF MORNING STAR MINISTRIES HERE IN FORT MILL, SOUTH CAROLINA. I KNOW YOU'RE ALSO THE CHIEF OPERATING OFFICER AND LEAD DEVELOPER OF THE HERITAGE TOWER PROJECT and that you manage the organizational's financial and organizational activities. And that is quite a full plate. And beyond that, uh, I know that you have many other things that you're involved in. I greatly respect your track record. I greatly uh, honor you for the integrity with which you are leading this ministry. And I just want to have a a little time today where I can ask you a a variety of questions that would help men and women in the marketplace who are building out this... Reality of what does it take yeah. day to day to really do this thing? We 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 love casting the vision, but at the end of the day, people have to know what to do. So I think if they could uh, know more about you, that would be an awesome role model for people to be able to follow.
1: Well, well, thanks. And you know, maybe I'll just get started. I did not grow up in a Christian home, and I didn't grow up in a family of, of wealth. So, uh, you know, uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and blue. Uh, Buffalo, New York's like the blue-collar mecca. Steel workers and auto workers. Hockey games and stuff like that. And, you know, when I first got introduced to the kingdom, uh, it was right away apparent to me that I wanted to build things. I was already trying to buy little apartment buildings, and I would go on to do some things in my sphere that were significant, own a hotel and a hedge fund and a national bank. But that was my passion. But I always felt like... Something was wrong with me. I was pastoring a church at a time. But I think, you know, a lot of people out there, We've, without, without the proper theology, without the proper guidelines, you feel like you're involved in secular activity and you should be involved in church activity. Now, I know a lot of that language has changed uh, from the Seven Mountain Mandate and Ed Silvosa, Messages on the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. But for me, I really suffered with that. So I would work, and then I'd be like, gosh, I'm not spending enough time pastoring, and I would pastor, and my passion for work would come. So I think that, you know, I think we're moving beyond that. I think you're right. People are looking for, you know, once we get that thing straight, how does this look practically? And we're really finding the key is relationship association. You know, it's more than just books and materials. People want people that they can relate with. Uh, And, you know, so we've been really trying to build relationally. And uh, it maybe takes a little bit longer, you know, but uh, I think that's the fruit of the kingdom. You know, I see it modeled in Jesus' life where he took the 12 at the end of John chapter 2. It says he didn't give himself to the multitude. You know, which of us would deny that huge multi-thousand people platform to really invest in a smaller group, but I think that's key.
0: Well, Dave, I've heard you talk about that with a great passion even this morning in the conference. Would you say that's the number one thing you're learning right now, or would it be something else?
1: I think, I think there still are some theological issues. And what I mean by that, you know, theology will shape methodology. What we believe about something mm-hmm. ultimately will shape how we attack it. So I'm learning a lot about wealth generation and wealth transfer, you know, theologically. I'm speaking about that. But I think, like, as far as an organization, how do we, with uh, integrity, Build and support and grow and resource the people uh, that are being called to our particular tribe. So I think there's a lot of things going out there. I think it's important to be a part of a tribe that shares your values and and things like that. And just like you and I, we are different parts of the country. We have different uh, maybe organizations, but I feel like we're connected with core purpose, core values. So when you come around, you feel like part of our tribe, like a sister tribe over you know or something, but you no, know, I think that is a big thing. How do we do this coinania? How do we work in such a way where we're preferring people, where we're blessing people? We're not looking for exclusion; we're looking for inclusion. I think it's it's really part of our journey now.
0: That's beautifully said. You know, we're building a tribe. We've been named uh, as true tribe lately, being the spiritual professionals who are wanting to embrace both of these realities and the day-to-day. Wow. A lot of my bent is the practical what do you do Monday morning when you get up and how do you live a day or a week or mm. a quarter or a year. Yeah. And I love partnering with leaders like yourself who have the big picture and mm. who are building the relationships and the associations. So I think we're in an awesome season right now where leaders are learning to link arms and run together. And I think that's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I think, I think for both of us, it probably comes from are uh, working together. I just, I just in the back of my mind, I wish somebody would have been there to give me more help as I was growing and learning. I feel like uh, there were some great mentors in my life, but they didn't have a kind of marketplace, seven mountain theology. They were just great men of mm-hmm. God. But I made mistakes. Uh, you know, I mean, not things that were necessarily cataclysmic, but I think... I think the more we can uh, really just seek to help and resource people uh, from a heart that says, you know, hey, I, I want you to learn from my experience, take as much of it as you can, and I hope it, you know, gets you on your way further and faster.
0: We all go further together, I think. Yeah, further right?
1: together. I like that.
0: Let me ask you this you might answer this uh, just on a personal note. Are from the ministry's uh, perspective either way, but what's the biggest mistake you almost made? Wow! And how'd you turn back from it?
1: Well, the biggest mistake I almost made, um, I honestly, and, and I know this sounds it sounds unusual, but it it really is the key. When I started to get more affluent and I started to make more money, because I didn't come from a background. Uh, with a lot of wealth I mean I you know I never missed a meal my dad was a good provider but you know Buffalo blue collar you know middle-class family as I started to get more wealth there was this self-sabotage approach avoidance and I didn't understand it as for, at first but you know, I, I didn't know how to grapple with the ability to make wealth and the purpose of it, and so I started to feel guilty a little bit, and I would find myself kind of self-sabotaging deals or uh, not taking what was rightfully mine, and that was a real big mistake, and, and fortunately, some people really helped me pray through and get out of it, but it took years. Uh, I think some of that stuff is, is deep-seated in, a, in emotion and you know, maybe if you hear your parents arguing about money when you're growing up or then you start to you know, associate negative feelings with that. I think there's a whole uh, psychological thing as well as a spiritual thing as well as theology that needs to come out on the purpose of wealth.
0: Right. So you're, you're saying a few friends or mentors helped you navigate that. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they were great, well, well-meaning guys and uh, can't thank them enough.
0: That's an incredible testimony. Thank you for sharing that. What's a fear that you've overcome and what did you learn from the process?
1: Wow, that is that is a big one. Yeah, transparency level ten right here.
0: <laughs> we are already I, yeah. to level ten. Yeah, you know, I,
1: I think I think it's important though that we talk like this because a lot of times people see us on the platform or they read our books or something, and it seems like we go from success to success to success to success, you know. And then they're like, "Well, I just can't be like Linda, or I can't be like you know one of these leaders." Or, uh, but I, I think the big thing for me, a fear that I had to overcome was. Um, I think it had to do with feeling insecure and feeling insignificant. Now you might look at it and say, "Well, Dave, you're so outgoing and stuff like that." But it's hard sometimes to see what's going on in our mind chatter with people. Um, but you know, having your identity. Uh, based in that kind of stuff can be very harmful, you know, and, uh, you know, the fear of failure, the fear of losing, the insecurity that comes around with it. And, you know, the answer really is uh, establishing our identity, but also, you know, kind of building these uh, uh, concentric circles, you know, me first with God, if that isn't right, then me with my family which is the next circle mm-hmm. is off and then me with my ministry and the people around mm-hmm. me and you know but really you know kind of being solid and uh you know uh, hearty in these concentric circles that kind of radiate out I think has been the secret for me or you know a key that sounds
0: like real wisdom Dave Let me ask you, how do you start a day? What is your morning routine?
1: What happens
0: when Dave rolls out of bed? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, first of all, my wife is the most disciplined person I've ever met in the world. So um, we have two alarm clocks, like I'm sure a lot of husbands and wives do, and hers goes off very early. So she gets up, she gets out, she goes to the gym. I start showering on the way out. But usually I try to get to the gym and I try to have my devotions done Uh, where I really spent time with the Lord and be ready to go by 7.30 or 8 o'clock. So I start pretty early. And, you know, that mandates that you go to bed earlier. Now, I'm not saying every day is like that, but that's what I'm striving for. I try to get into the gym, try to get exercise. For me, I start making calls with my key leaders right around 7.30. I start checking in on them. I start going through yesterday's business. And before I go in, I try to make it into the office around 9.00. I've gone through my emails. I've kind of situated the day. I've formulated mm-hmm. uh, largely my calendar, mm-hmm. because once I hit the ground here on site in my office, you know how it is. Your best laid plans of mice and men, your best calendar can get thrown off. Uh, we, you know, we have uh, 120 staff here and some other things. So, uh, you know, it allows me to be more flexible having those key things done in the morning. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, the more and more it's, it's important to have discipline and time management. Those used to be uh, kind of swear words in my vocabulary. I always wanted to be free spirited and, you know, do whatever. But I think, you know, being disciplined and managing your time is really a hallmark of high impact people. And I'm still studying, still growing in that.
0: That is wisdom for sure. I appreciate your telling us about how you start your day. Dave, what's an app on your phone that you couldn't live without?
1: Wow, that's a great one. I would say, you know, I'll tell you one that I really like. It's called Watch Up, W-A-T-C-H-U-P. And you can put in your news preferences and you can set the time of day that you want to receive news and then it gives you a little ding and a reminder, and it prepares a video news package based on your preferences and what you want. Because I find that one's really good, and it's just meat of the news. And for a long time, I didn't watch uh, news, and I felt like I was really, um, I was trying to really build my spiritual side, but I felt so out of tune. So watch up is a really big one. Of course, uh, email and uh, text messaging, uh, I mean, are just a, a mainstay now. Um, it's uh, it's so interesting to me every time I talk with Mike Bickle, who you're close with out there, he just doesn't have a cell phone on him. And To me, I'm like, is this like Neanderthal man <laughs> or caveman or how does he work? That's or, a disciplined that man. That is a disciplined man. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, let me ask you this. Do you have any rules for unplugging or becoming screen-free uh, in the evening as you unwind?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I really don't, I, I really don't, and, this, this, and I wouldn't advise anybody else to do this, but a, a number of years ago, um, I was doing a lot of things. I had an, an award-winning hotel, I had a bank, I had some other things going, and Linda, it was the best time of my life. I really enjoyed it. But people started to introduce this concept of being burned out, hey, you could burn out, and, and they talked to me about having a sabbatical and taking time it was the worst thing ever in my life. (laughs) Like just like I, I purposefully unplugged for a couple months. I I was a wreck.
0: What happened? And
1: you know, just uh, the rigor of the day is the thing that fuels me and having this sense of I don't know, like some people talk about ministry like professional distance and all that. I just integrate it all. I mix it up in a big salad bowl and you can come to dinner with me and talk about work or I can bring my kids there. or We can talk about, you know, I mix it all together. And then I just make sure I get enough personal time and time with my family. I schedule it in, but I wouldn't recommend it. But I think for me, for my personality, that works so much better than just, you know, uh, you know, maybe traditional kind of boundary times and stuff like that. I'll, I mean, there'll be meetings that end at 11 o'clock at night, and then I'll, you know, sleep in late the next day and spend time or, you know, it just seems to work better for me that way.
0: So you're not cookie cutter, are you,
1: Dave? (laughs) I don't think so.
0: How would you describe yourself in one word? Your, yourself, your work, who is Dave Yarns in a word?
1: You know, I think, um, I think the thing that drives me is a real pastoral heart to see the betterment of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, there's a lot of ways that that plays out, but really at the bottom of my heart, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more extroverted. Uh, I think, you know, I just want to know people and you give me a 20 minutes in a room, I just kind of find out things about everybody, but it's it's not for a sake of any other reason than I just we kind of want to know and help people along their way. So I think that's, that's core, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's, I think it's a little difficult as your ministry gets bigger things, you're a couple of degrees removed sometimes from the front line, you know, but um, you know, we've got just such great people and great staff. It's an honor to be here.
0: What would you say are two or three of the most important things you've learned about helping other people better themselves, your core passion.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that is great. Um, I got a hold of uh, some teaching. You can see it online. I don't even know where I found it now, but on transformational leadership. So if you look at a continuum, on one side, there's concern for people, and then on the other side, there's concern for production. So if you go to each side, you can fall in a ditch. You know, If you're too mm-hmm. concerned about production, your producer perish. And if you're too concerned about people, it becomes like the country club. But some people wrote about transformational leadership and the characteristics of it. That has, I wrote it on my whiteboard. I've had it up on my wall for probably five, guess five six years. And it's things like fairness, uh, it's things like motivation, it's things like, um, uh, you know, moving people beyond self interest. Uh, being fair, being reasonable, presenting clear goals. And I look at those things every day and in contact with people. Linda, I truly believe, uh, you know, one of the things, winning an award with a hotel, you can't just do it based on money. You've got to have people skills because sooner mm-hmm. or later, money won't take you where you can be an award winner. And I found that if you just have a respect and value for mm-hmm. people, while you're uh, strict on policy and procedure and you provide that mix, people can go beyond self-limits uh, and be exceptional. So I think a lot of the things that I've been learning and focusing on are those kind of leadership people skills, uh, especially as they pertain to you know, working in an organization like ours.
0: That sounds like great advice for a leader at any level that they could mm-hmm. apply in their life. What do you think, Dave, holds most people back from achieving their destiny or vision?
1: Boy, that's a great one, Linda. I think, uh, I think a lot of people uh, possibly, you know, I mean, I can only see the world through my lens, I think, like all of us. So for me, it was uh, some of it is just fear. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like if you step out, um, I think we seek safety naturally. Uh, I think we're resistant, but anything in the kingdom has to come by faith. And I think even as I look back on my life, there were times where I, um, you know, I'm thinking of the West Point prayer for their cadets. There's a line that says something like, help us to choose the harder good uh, than the easier norm. You know what I mean? Help us to go. Even though it's harder to get the full truth, to get the, the most out of this that we can. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that fear sometimes, uh, you know, whether it's stepping out or, you know, you could fail. Yeah, you absolutely could fail. Uh, but rather than coming to the end of your life, like Roosevelt said, realizing you had not lived because you're living in a gray twilight, you're not neither victorious nor defeated You know what I mean? You're just in that middle ground. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think we're called for that. I think something inside of us. And I think if we had more people that were encouraging and supporting and blessing and exhorting, we would find a more courageous body of Christ.
0: So let's assume that we have some of these people who are fear-based right now and it's holding them back. What's If you were speaking directly to them right now on the podcast, somebody in our True Tribe leadership or in the KBA Association and Uh, the tribe that you're building, and just this greater body of Christ in the marketplace. And they say, I want that. It sounds so good, uh, but my fear does hold me back. What's the one thing that you would tell them? That's
1: great. You have to take initiative. So many people are sidelined because they're waiting for the perfect opportunity. They're waiting for someone to recognize or validate them. Yeah, humility uh, waits for someone to give you a title, but it always takes initiative. Take initiative. Uh, I mean, it's true for all of us. The other day I was uh, talking to a class of kids about evangelism. And when I went home, the Lord challenged me, said, you need to walk across the street and tell that new neighbor that, that moved in about Jesus, or at least begin to, a friendship with them. You know, we're never exempt from these things. And, you know, honestly, I felt a little awkward or, you know, that, that tension, uh, you know. Uh, so I think for all of us, there are always areas that we need to take initiative in. And if you do that, you'll find your sphere, your skill set, your courage, those things begin to grow more and more. But if you're inactive or you're waiting for the personal, the perfect moment or, you know, things to align or someone to recognize you, you will just kind of shrink a little bit, I think.
0: Tell me something, Dave. That's true. That almost nobody agrees with you on.
1: Wow! Something that's true that no one agrees with me upon. Or well, almost, uh, no almost one. no one. <laughs> um, well, I think I think um, the I talk a lot about wealth and wealth transformation and uh, wealth topics, and I think that subject has been fit with a bunch of landmines. You know, I th- I've had the privilege of meeting Oral Roberts and him praying for me. And Oral Roberts really had a true word from God about seed, faith, and harvest. And um, I think that some people that came after him turned kind of that wealth message into kind of name it and claim it stuff. And, and just it just really got off. It, you know, and what happens now when I start to talk about wealth, people think that I'm doing it to generate a bigger offering or, you know, for some materialistic, uh, you know, end, you know, that I can have a big Cadillac or, you know, but I, so I think there's been so much abuse in that, you know, I've got a book called the prosperity matrix. It doesn't talk anything about it, but just the word prosperity, I think really hinders it sometimes, but it's true. I mean, these things are true. God has created us right from the Genesis blessing over Abraham that through us, mm-hmm. all the nations of this earth will be blessed. Mm-hmm. And I think the the restoration of the prosperity, the true prosperity message—that's not, you know, just a bunch of stuff, you know—but the true prosperity message. I think I have a hard time with that because of, uh, you know, just kind of being castigated of some things that happened in the past.
0: I appreciate your tenacity to <laughs> continue delivering that good word. What do people never ask you that you wish they would?
1: Boy, that's a great question. Um, what do they ever never ask me? You know, I think, I think one of the things that has been amazing for me is getting out into nature and uh, seeing, you know, John Amos Comenius, the founder of Modern Education, said that um, nature was God's second book. And I spend a lot of time in nature. When I can get off the grid, it typically looks like me getting into the woods or doing something like that. And people look at it and they're like, well, you know, it's just you, it's just your nature or something. No, I was born a city kid. I mean, I never saw a farm animal. I never saw wow. green grass. I mean, I mean, it was living in kind of a concrete jungle growing up uh, to a certain age. But, you know, just getting out in in nature just it's, it grounds mm-hmm. you. I mean, I don't want to sound all new agey or anything, but, you know, just seeing the glory of God that is displayed and getting grounded. And uh, I mean, I, I think... You know people never ask me about that but that's a real close personal side that's important to me
0: well my husband Rick's not here with me right now because he's doing that very thing on a farm in Oklahoma so he sends his regards to everyone he's he's
1: a sweetheart we met him last year when he was here he's a great guy so to send our regards
0: I would agree with you on him being a great guy I call him the hunk of of burning love (laughs) (laughs) and that's how he's known in all all of our circles um, so let me ask you one more question here as we start to wrap up. What's a recent purchase of $100 or less that has had a significant and positive impact wow. on your life or These work? Are
1: the best questions in the world, the recent purchase of $100 or less that it has had an incredible impact. On your
0: life or work?
1: On my life or work. Wow, wow, wow. I think... Um, You know, a lot of the stuff that I buy personally has to do with hunting or hiking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm just a a gear guy. I I just believe that there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad gear, you know, Uh. there's only bad equipment. So uh, lots of things like, um, you know, uh, rifles or things. But I think um, I carry a rangefinder with me when I'm out. And uh, it helps me to associate the uh, the distance of things yes. because when you're out, uh, you know, I just got back from the Canadian Rockies, and if you're looking across at another mountain, it might look like it's a hundred yards when in fact it's like five hundred. And uh, just it helps me so you know that thing was like a hundred bucks I can carry it with me and it shows me the range and the scope and the magnitude of things so I I don't know if anybody else would like it but for me it's kind of a cool gadget excellent
0: are you an archer as well
1: yes yeah so have you
0: tried the arrows that light up
1: I do have the arrows that light up yeah I love those arrows (laughs) that light up they saved me not too long ago I I, uh, was hunting and uh, the guy I was hunting with had to leave and it uh, I had a really nice shot at a beautiful buck, and I got him just before sunset. But you have to wait when you're an archer, Mm -hmm. and sure enough, it you know got dark, and it was out there, and the coyotes were howling, and it was really a precarious thing. But I I made it out alive, so and that was part of it, you know. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, it's been lovely to hear more about your life and your insights, Dave. As we wrap up, I just have so much respect for what you're doing and enjoy. Applauding you and cheering you on. Is there anything else that we didn't get to today that you would want to say?
1: I mean, it's been so nice chatting with you, Linda, and the questions have been amazing. Thanks for your your thoughtfulness. Uh, You know, um, no, I, you know, I mean, I think for me, the one thing that I would say to people is there really is a lot going on in the world around us, but never let it undermine how big God is. And one day can change your situation. It doesn't matter what your checkbook says or what you think the government can do. I mean, God is absolutely all-powerful. And I think we get inundated by this stuff. And our problems uh, tend to be so big and, you know, uh, systemic. And we feel like, how am I going to ever change the government or this thing? It's never like that. Just speak to God about uh, your problems and his power moves and... um, you know, uh, I feel like in my mind, sometimes I need to repent of making them my problems or world problems too big in the eyes of our father. So I would just encourage people, you know, God is beyond your checkbook. He's beyond uh, the, you know, uh, the, what the situation is in our government or whatever your community uh, issues are. And always keep that in focus that he's able. I think that's very important. That's a wonderful
0: word. Well, Dave Yarns, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom with us today. This has been a true joy.
1: So glad you joined us for the Linda Field Show today. We know that you are busy and that your time is important. To help you accomplish more of the things that matter in work and life. Linda has created the Prayer Plan Your Life Productivity System. This valuable system guides you to minimize the noise that threatens your progress and make the highest and best use of your time. Come on over to lindafields.org to order Prayer Plan Your Life today. Get it done today. Make it matter tomorrow. See you over at lindafields.org ppyl.